smells Jesus-y. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We are the aroma of Christ. God has spoken in many ways, but now he's spoken Welcome to Smells Jesus-y, a podcast from Three Crosses Church. Today we continue our series on Bible reading tools. Matt Waldron speaks to us from Revelations chapter 4 verses 1 to 11 on God. Today I'm going to try and summarize everything the Bible says about God. The Bible's a very big book and it's basically all about God. Here's the main topic. So we're just going to dive in and uh, try and cram it as much as we can. But I, I want to suggest a good way of remembering all the stuff that you know about God is to remember three kind of dimensions. Uh, infinity, image, and intimacy. Infinity, image, and intimacy. And I'll explain what I mean by each of those. Uh, so firstly, uh, God's infinity is kind of referenced slightly, uh, it may not have been obvious in Revelation 4, where God is being praised, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then they say in Revelation 4, verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So there is God is being pr- uh, praised uh, in relation to all worth, all glory, all honor, all power, all of creation by his will. Uh, did I say all creation? Uh, all being. Uh, all the God is all in all these things. So I'm going to try and summarize that in uh, three ways. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. These are traditionally called omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence, but I'm going to try and use more everyday words. All-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. And so, uh, the one that might be the least obvious uh, is all-knowing. All things were created by God's will, God doesn't just know everything because he has all the information, which he does, but God knows everything because he has decided everything. So God is all-knowing, all-powerful. He created all things. He sustains all things. So by your will, they were created and they still have their being. God created all things at the beginning and God continues to uphold all things and he's personally involved in all things. So he is uh, present in all. So all-knowing, all-powerful and all-present. So that's a way of organizing what we can say about God in regard to his infinity. The second one is in regard to his image. God created human beings in his image. Uh, so uh, we can talk about the kind of wh- how, how exactly we reflect what God's like. Uh, so the traditional way of doing this is to distinguish between God's incommunicable and communicable attributes. Uh, I One of the uh, widely recognized shortcomings with that system is that it's probably not that simple. It's a little bit more black and white than reality. So I'm going to try and just do it as a continuum. And I've already shown you this when I talked about who Jesus is. I talked about Jesus being uh, human and divine. And so he has a body. He was born. uh, He's finite. uh, He was uh, tempted. uh, And uh, he worships. Uh, So he's human. But on the other hand, he's also God. Uh, And so he doesn't have a body. He has God's glory. Uh, He wasn't born. 
He uh, existed always with God the Father and God the Spirit. Uh, he knows all things. He's infinite. Uh, he's the judge and he's worshipped. I deliberately organized it this way. This is my attempt to go from uh, God's less communicable, his incommunicable attributes or less communicable attributes to his more communicable attributes. Uh, and so I'm just going to expand these out in these three dimensions of God's infinity. So he's one, perfect spirit. Uh, he's self-existent, eternal and unchanging. Uh, already said he's all-knowing, all-powerful and all-present. He's also a God of covenant faithfulness and compassion. Uh, and finally, he's a God of love, justice and goodness. We've got these kind of three dimensions of God's uh, infinity. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present. And I've tried to classify uh, a lot of what the rest of the Bible says about uh, how, what God is like in uh, comparison and in relation to human beings along those dimensions. So the one I'll just mention is one, uh, God is one. So that means both, there's only one God. There are lots of uh, fake gods that people make up. There are uh, uh, demons that have pretensions uh, to uh, want to be worshipped, but there's only one true God. It also means God himself is one. That is, God doesn't have uh, different sides of his personality that are kind of in tension with each other. God is one. And so, uh, in a sense, everything I've just he said here is a memory device. I'm not saying, for example, that God's uh, power is controlled by him being eternal. This is just a way for us to kind of remember to help us grow in knowing God. It's not, it's not as if God is made up of these bits and they work together somehow. God is one. So, for example, uh, God's uh, love is always just and good. Uh, God's spirit is all-powerful, compassionate, like you can pick any combination. They're, they all go together. These are all different descriptions of God. But God himself is one. So that makes uh, the last part the most challenging to understand. God has, uh, in his incredible grace in Christ, uh, drawn us into intimacy with himself knowing him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, the Bible says very clearly that God is one. And the Bible also says very clearly that God is three. And the basic thing to notice here is that it's talking about God from different perspectives. It's not contradicting. It's very hard to be clear and certain and understand what those perspectives are and how they relate to each other. We just need to be clear that they are different perspectives. So the traditional way of saying that uh, is that there are three persons who are God, but there is one being who is God. Or God is three uh, in, in his relationships, but is one in his essence, or you know, whatever words you want to use. But uh, the problem with any of those words is if you try and sort them out in too much detail, it gets very confusing. The main thing is they're different perspectives. So, for example, if you imagine that uh, we were all living in a two-dimensional world instead of a three-dimensional world. So one, imagine we were all uh, little shapes on this whiteboard. Uh, then if we encountered a cylinder coming into our whiteboard world, we might see the cylinder this way and conclude that it's a rectangle. 
Or we might see the cylinder this way if it turned around and see that it was a circle. But if you step out of whiteboard world, you I haven't got a big cylinder to show you. You know what a cylinder is. You know, it's round on the end and then it's long. It's one thing. If you look at it from one perspective, it's a rectangle. You look at it from the other perspective, it's a circle. But it's not a contradiction. It's just there's a bigger picture going on than what we can see in whiteboard world. It's the same with God. Uh, God is God. We're his creatures. We can't, we don't exist in the kind of way that God exists. So we just have to trust him when he says he really is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he really is one, perfect spirit, self-existent, eternal, unchanging, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, a God of covenant, faithfulness, and compassion, and compassion, love, justice, and goodness. So if we can't understand this, how can we have intimacy with this God? Oh, I should give you some more Bible verses for these things. So we had Revelation 4.11 to talk about God being infinite and being able to describe the dimensions of that infinity. Uh, 1 Peter uh, 1, uh, verses 13 to 16, talk about us uh, imitating God. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we're made in God's image and we're called to imitate God. And that is especially to do with our morality. right? As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So there's uh, a spectrum from the kind of more moral kind of aspects of how we're like God to the, the ways that are less to do with morality. I think that's a good way of thinking about the spectrum of the incommunicable to communicable attributes. Okie dokie. Now we get to the intimacy and we're turning back to the start of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. Uh, because the Father is God, all these things are true about God, uh, God the Father. Because the Son is God, all these things that are true about God are true about God the Son. Because the Holy Spirit is God, all these things that are true about God are true about the Holy Spirit. But God in His uh, incredible grace uh, has revealed Himself as Father, Son and Holy Spirit in order to welcome us into a more intimate relationship with this. So 1 Peter 1 verses 1 to 2 says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. So here Peter talks about uh, all of God's people, all Christians, being people who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So he's greeting them in their relationship with God, in their relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and he can distinguish them. He says, that we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He says there's something distinctive about God the Father's foreknowledge of us, God the Father's uh, planning God the Father's deciding all things in advance. And it's 
uh, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, uh, through the Spirit's presence to actually purify us. We count as pure because the Holy Spirit is in us. And it's to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. We submit to His power. uh, And the, the part that really seals the deal that we have to take the trinity seriously it's it's tempting to just kind of go gosh that's all hard and sounds technical i don't need to worry about that do i i just need to trust in god well god the son took to himself a human nature and died and was raised again for our sin god the father didn't do that god the father sent the son to do that god the father was in the son doing that but the bible is very clear that god the son is the one who did that Uh, the holy spirit didn't take to himself a human nature and die for your sin Uh, the holy spirit was the one through whom god the son did that the holy spirit was in god the son doing that but god the son came into the world took himself a human nature and died in our place and so this is not just a kind of weird technical philosophical discussion This is about how God Himself relates, how God the Father, Son and Spirit relate to each other and how in God's incredible grace, He has revealed Himself to draw us into intimacy with Him. So what does that mean in practice? Well, it means that God the Father hears our prayers for His gifts and good purpose. We uh, pray to thank God for His good gifts. We pray to ask Him for more good gifts. We, We know that God works all things together for good even bad things that happen to us. And so we're praying that God will work His good purposes. And generally in the Bible, prayers are directed to God the Father. Can you pray to God the Son? Absolutely. Can you pray to God the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Why would you want to pray to God the Father? Because God the Son and God the Spirit have brought us into relationship with God the Father as Father. God the Son relates to God the Father as His Father. And He enables us to join in with that relationship. God the Spirit is sent by God the Father and He enables us to participate in that relationship of being sent by God the Father. Similarly, uh, God the Son unites Himself to us in our sin and self-denial. God the Father was in Jesus, uniting Himself to us. God the Holy Spirit was in God the Son, uniting Himself to us. But God the Father eternally is the father of the son and so we have the privilege of being united to him to have these relationships to have this solidarity with the son as children of the father to have this solidarity with the son being strengthened by the spirit travails means like travails is a fancy word for a woman being in labor so it's uh that idea of longing being in uh, creation subjected to frustration longing uh for God to make things new. Uh, So that gives me two G's, two S's and two T's, which makes GST, which I can remember because of the economic trinity. That probably won't help anybody else, but it helps me. So uh, there we go. So in practice, uh, we pray to God the Father for His gifts and good purpose. We know that the Son has united Himself to us in our sin. And so even in our sin, we know that Uh, The Son is with us. He has taken the punishment for our sins so we can be forgiven. He's with us in self-denial when we suffer or when we're just facing challenges. The Holy Spirit is in us, strengthening us to uh, resist temptation, to uh, look forward with certain hope. 
And so I think this actually works out quite well, right? The Father, all these things that are true of God are true of the Father. All these things that are true of God are true of the Son. All these things that are true of God are true of the Holy Spirit. But as I'm praying to God the Father, I feel like these five things are the first things I want to remember. There's one God I'm praying to. He doesn't, he's self-existent. He doesn't need anything from me. I can't butter him up. He already knows my needs. He's all-knowing. He's a God of the covenant. So I'm praying according to what he's already promised to do. And he's a God of love. That's who I'm praying for. He's also all these other things. As I remember that the God the Son is united to me in my sin and self-denial, I remember that He is perfect. He is eter- I'm, I might be sinning, but He hasn't sinned. He's eternal. He's all-powerful, whatever uh, suffering I'm undergoing. He is perfectly faithful. He is completely just. As the Holy Spirit is strengthening me in temptation, in my travails, He is pure spirit. He is unchanging. He is all-present. He is compassionate and he is good. Just having him is enough. So I hope some part of that made sense. That, that makes sense to me. That's a good way for me to hold all this stuff about God in my head. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and try and figure out where your favorite thing about God fits in this diagram. Heavenly Father, please um, grow us in knowing you. Thank you Just the fact that you reveal yourself so that it's possible for you to be known. Uh, You've created us in your image, so we have the capacity to relate to you. These are incredibly generous things. But the fact that you've uh, sent uh, God the Son to take himself a human nature and suffer in our place to bring us back to you is just incredible. Thank you so much. And in doing this, you've revealed yourself in this most intimate way. uh, That though one God, you are eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. uh, Loving each other, enjoying each other. Thank you so much that you were pleased not just to forgive our sin, but to adopt us into your family. And so we pray uh, we would make the most of that we would make the most of getting to know you and living as your children in a way that shows other people how great you are. Amen.